0: Simply, simply lovely. Hello and welcome to Back of the Grid. I'm your host, Stuart Greenwood, and I'm joined in a very special episode this week a Tom and Stu episode. I'm joined by Tom King only. Tom and Stew episode, yeah, yeah. Tom King, the one and only. Um, I feel like I am going to be Sandra Bullock in Gravity for this episode. Will Will you be my George Clooney? <laughs> um, I'll be Rick Astley. Rick no, Astley. No, no, hang
1: on. That's that's the wrong joke. What Chesney Hawks Chesney Hawks? Oh, you'll
0: be my one and only <laughs> <laughs> Wrong wrong artist, damn <laughs> Oh well, we got there in the end, we got there in the end yeah. um, We're here today to preview the USA Grand Prix, the USGP if you will um, and talk a, bit, a little bit about the news in Formula 1 and around motorsport over the last week So uh, yeah. Tom, shall we dive right in? Let's do it Let's do this. Okay. So the first big piece of news this week is George Russell is going to Williams. Um not great news for Ocon but still Ocon was super super classy about it in a really nice tweet congratulating him and saying it's a great thing for the sport etc cetera, etc. Cetera. Um any thoughts on uh, Russell to Williams, Tom?
1: Um because of the stroll thing this is this was my prediction when we did the 2019 grid. It was. Grid. Yes, it was. Um I just sort of saw that Force India seat go into a stroll rather than to Russell, which yeah. to me saw Russell slotting in here. Um, although I was expecting it to be Ocon alongside Stroll at Force India, which I suppose technically could still happen, but it's highly, highly unlikely now, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Um <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, I had Russell to force India on the, uh, and so did Chris as well. I'm just looking at the sheet yeah. now. Uh, I'm almost, I'm almost a bit good that he's going to Williams. I feel like the Williams is not really good enough for him. <laughs> that sounds really harsh. Cause it's Williams. Yeah, but it, I feel the same way about Norris as well. Going to McLaren, I feel like both of those drivers are in really, really shoddy, shoddy cars.
1: It's a bit like the Sorokin issue, isn't it? Where he's done fairly well in F2, but then he's not been given ample machinery to be able to prove that worth at the F1 stage.
0: Yeah. It's a shame. But what's interesting is they will be in... in Well, I mean, I'm assuming they'll be in quite well-matched machinery next year, the two of them. So they'll be going head-to-head or wheel-to-wheel quite often.
1: I think that's the the cool side of it, if that's the right word to use. Like the yeah. the fact that... If they're still not having a good time of it, generally with the regulations next season, then we will hopefully at least get a good battle between the two of them. Um, And I think that Norris and Science could be quite interesting, to be honest, at McLaren, because you're not going to have what we've always assumed is just a massive gulf in Fernando to somebody else. Um, so it'd be interesting to see where Norris lines up against Signs. So, even if both teams aren't on form, I think that there might be some interest in, in team, like in a team rivalries going on.
0: Intra yeah, in, team battle, yeah, 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 um, yeah. Who do who do you see joining Russell? Can you? Can, I mean, you've got Sorokin down there. To stay? Do you think he'll stay? Is he? They're not signed. That no one's signed yet, are they? Are you, are you still standing by the Sirokin theory? Or I, I think so. Change?
1: Yeah. No, I think that he's got he's got a talent that's come through from F two, and he's obviously in a fortunate position of having money from backers behind him as well. Um, so I think if Stroll is definitely off to force India, which it's hard to look past considering who owns the team now. Um, yeah. I, I They need some consistency at Williams if they're going to have any hope, I think, next season. And he's probably the only thing that can really offer them that other than sort of the likes of Kubica. but I don't think he'll be sat in the car, to
0: be brutally honest. Yeah. um, That car, like... Pff, uh, McLaren and Williams, neither of them seem to have done much in terms of Development from what I've seen anyway this season, reading sort of online and looking at the technical updates of the cars that that get posted on various websites. McLaren and Williams have really not seemed to do anything.
1: Yeah, Williams did enough to kind of learn what was really wrong with the car and get it to a sort of a middle ground and then have not done anything because I remember the issues they were having. Oh, it was back in Austria I think wasn't it where the DRS yeah. closing was causing them to bottom out and things and, and they sort of did a lot of work to understand and fix that and then haven't really made any major updates that I've seen since and McLaren did something a little similar like fixed the cooling issues and then kind of stopped after that
0: yeah like since that big update I don't, I don't recall seeing a single thing they made that they put that weird nose on it didn't they with the big sort of yes, yeah, turning veins either side of it um yeah, so hopefully both these teams have understood what the hell is wrong with their cars this season. and
1: Yeah, and tried for, to make an understanding of the new regulations as well that yeah, are changing.
0: for next season. And mm. yeah, we'll see. I mean, there's potential next season for. Because it is quite a big regulation change, really, isn't it? Like, in terms of aerodynamic yeah. development, it's a huge change. Like, they're really, really stripping them down. And, you know, it could be that one of these teams finds a loophole and exploits it and gets back to the front, which would be amazing.
1: Yeah, I think for both of them, sort of mid to two thirds of the way through this season, once they understood the car, why it was in the position it was and knew what they could, what they needed to do better to, to regain performance, I think both of them will have more than likely solely started focusing on next year's car. Because yeah. they're both in a position that they're able to do that. Um, some of your smaller teams, the midfield teams, like obviously Force India with administration issues and um, Haas as well, I'd, I'd say to an extent, haven't really got the the capabilities to be running two cars simultaneously, like development mm. for next year's car, while still maintaining and, and improving a current season's car um, your big guns like your Mercedes and Ferrari have kind of got the resource to do it, and yes, fair enough. They'll at this point they'll start to slowly focus less and less on this year's car, but they've still got the resource to to spread. Mm. Uh, and I think McLaren and Williams will probably just stuck everything in next year's car from about four races ago.
0: Yeah, let's not um, forget about how much, particularly McLaren. McLaren have got some serious resource at their disposal. You know, yeah. they're not they're not like a a, a Toro Rosso or a Saiba or a Force India this is a proper I mean that's what makes it all the more disappointing that they're nowhere really because the the money that is going into that development of those cars and what have they got to show for it this season very very little but I suppose they've got a superstar in the car for next season what I would love what what really excites me is the prospect of these two teams getting on top of their uh, issues and you know just imagine if from Rising from the ashes of twenty eighteen, McLaren and Williams just pull out, pull pull something out of the bag, and you've got Norris and um and and Russell, two rookies fighting for a championship. How crazy would that be? It's like the dream situation.
1: It it would be absolutely awesome to see. Um, I think it's great optimism. Steve. <laughs> <laughs> I, like i i I think we'll see them improve i'm very hopeful we'll see them improve but yeah i whether they can make that big of a leap i what i'd say is a realistic target for both of them is like securing regular points finishes and being solidly in that midfield battle to to start mm. you know picking up when the the big six are Kind of falling away in races
0: and things like yeah, that. I, that's probably a more realistic <laughs> expectation.
1: <laughs> that's where I'd expect them both to be, fingers crossed. Yeah. But I we'll, think, though, we'll like, see.
0: when you look back to the big, the other, when the, the last time they stripped the aero regulations right down from really complex cars that had loads of bits and bobs and gubbins all over them was in 2008 into 2009. And, yes. Um, yeah. A certain Braun GP. Surfaced yeah. from the ashes of Honda, and Honda it were nowhere at the end of the 2008 season, and uh, they went and won the championship. Yeah. So, you know, stranger double, things have happened. The infamous double diffuser. Yes, exactly. Exactly that. <clears throat> So, uh, shall we move on to something else? (laughs) We've just done 10 whole minutes. (laughs) George Russell. It's good, good, good. Uh, Mick Schumacher has won the European F3 title with a race to spare. Was it one race to spare? Um, I can't remember the exact calendar. It's a
1: race. I think it's another round, another weekend maybe, which is
0: two races rather than one, I think. Yeah. Let's have a little European... European F3. Hockenheim. No, they're finished. They're done. They are Hockenheim, done. Hockenheim, 13th to 14th of October. That was last weekend. Was yeah. it last weekend? Yeah. Yeah, just gone. Yeah, it's yesterday, wasn't it? Um, Sorry, Sunday. Uh, Yeah, so he's done it. He's a European Formula 3 champion. Mick Schumacher. Well done, Mick. Um, I'm sure Dan Tickton's, uh over the moon for you. <laughs> Uh, Tickton, for those wondering, finished second in the championship with 308 points to Schumacher's 365. Just listen to that. Schumacher's 365 points. How does that sound, Tom?
1: I'm very sort of optimistic about where he can go now. Um, I was a little dubious earlier on in his career just because I was I was waiting to find like how much was him as a talent and how much was obvious connections. But I think the way that he's run the show for the back end of the season in Formula Three is sort of evidence enough of the fact that he's definitely inherited some talent in his genes,
0: for yeah. sure. He's he's got something, hasn't he? I mean, it's a it's a pretty healthy gene pool to be uh, <laughs> to be surfacing yeah. out of, isn't it? Um, I'm just trying to find his record, how he's done this season. Let's have a quick look. I think he's got eight wins. I believe.
1: I could be wrong on that, though, because that is literally off the top of my head.
0: Do you reckon he'll go to Macau this season?
1: I think Prima have a team um, that they have run there in the past. So if Prima are taking a team, I can't see why they wouldn't sit him in it because it's a Formula 3 spec car that they run. Um, So to have somebody with that experience and that form in the car, if if Prima take a team... Mm. I'd imagine he'd be one of the drivers in it. Um if Prima don't, I can imagine a team with an empty seat trying to snap him up, I guess, really. Um mm. but maybe I don't know, should he hold out for a, a more like you you although they um the spec series where the cars are sort of even other than set up, um, you still have certain teams that are good to make kind of a beeline for like your primas your ardens and stuff like that um you know russian time when they were still called russian time in f2 things like that like certain teams have got a good track record of getting the best out of those cars so i don't think he should just go for the sake of it but if prima or another sort of top end f3 team can offer him a seat i don't see why not
0: yeah, yeah. I've, I've, I mean, he drives for Prima, doesn't he? So I don't see yeah. why they wouldn't if they're going over there. Um, I'm just looking at his record now. He's, he's. Uh, you know what? It's pretty solid, man. Like, um, f- the very beginning of the season, he had a bit of a bumpy start. He had a 15th, uh, a poor Ricard. Um, I think that's poor Ricard. Uh, then a 10th and a 7th. So not a great weekend there. But um, it, from that point, it was really just, you know, up and up and up. Um he got a podium in hungary there was a podium at zandvoort another one at spa another one at silverstone basically a podium every weekend like bar yeah. two of the uh two of the events from from memory he got
1: something like either four or five wins back to back i think
0: yeah he did um at the, at the Nürburgring, uh he did was it the Nürburgring? ring yeah Nürburgring. he did He dominated the whole weekend and at the Red Bull ring, he got two out of three there and a second in the third race and then two more seconds at Hockenheim as well. So yeah, that final sort of half of the second half of the season really, he's been absolutely on fire. Yeah. Uh, and, the, and the points just go to show it. So hopefully, you know, if he, if he comes up to... I suppose, what's the next step after European F3? Is it just Formula 3?
1: Um, gem- generally, a lot of them will jump into GP3, uh, which is now going to be F3. So European yeah. F3 won't exist anymore from next season. So technically, he will be the last champion for that series Ooh. because that should, as far as I know, merge with any British F3 and... I'm not sure if there's. I'm not sure where else running F3 series these days. But the British F3 and the European F3 Championship are due to merge, making it um, it the overall F3, which will follow F1 round the same as F2 does, and basically replace GP3. So, right,
0: okay,
1: yeah, um, maybe F2 is the next logical step. I don't know. I don't know how they'll work existing drivers from European F3 into what was GP3, whether they'll just transition across or not sure how it's going to work. So if there isn't an easy transition there, then I think there'll be people in F2 sniffing around. Um, Obviously a Prima runner team in F2, so there's a logical step there as well. They've got the Ferrari connections as well and the Schumacher name's got heavy Ferrari connections. so it's, it's got some gravity to it too. There's a definite. Can you imagine Leclerc and Schumacher in a few years' time, signing a Ferrari
0: together? Oh man, that'd just be so cool, wouldn't it? Like seeing a race. I just, I just hope he's got the goods. I hope he, like, when he gets to, to the next level, because obviously each step up in Formula is such a huge leap. Like you see yeah. it every season, like whoever is the champion of of whatever championship they go up from, they always struggle in the first few races to you know, to get up to speed. But then they do what Schumacher's done, which is they they get up to speed quite quick. And Norris did the same, not Norris, sorry, uh, Russell's done the same thing. Norris yeah. was, Norris has had a fairly solid season, I think.
1: Yeah, he's kind of gone the other way. started off strong and, and like almost dipped a little towards the end. Not terribly, but obviously Russell's carried the form on and Norris has dropped away a little bit, but... Yeah, still
0: it's um, a, it's an interesting season to judge actually this one for Formula Two because obviously the start of the season they had to switch to rolling starts because everyone kept stalling because the car wasn't reliable yeah. enough. So I feel like the they're, they're sort of they're the damned generation almost these F two drivers this year because all their reputations are going to be somewhat tarnished by how the how this cars sort of let them all down over the year. <laughs>
1: Yeah, there were a lot of issues with that clutch earlier in the season. And I think it was Austria was the last time when they were doing rolling starts, wasn't it? And then I think by Silverstone they'd fixed it. But even still, it's it's not good to reach literally the halfway point in the season in Austria and still be having issues with the clutch and having to resort to the rolling starts and things like that just to give people consistent and even starts. Yeah. it's, it's a hard time for anyone in F2 I think just because it's there's not really anywhere to go afterwards except F1 and you're kind of mm. damned if you do damned if you don't at the minute with F1 where you could you could end up on a Charles Leclerc trajectory or you could end up on a, a bit of an Ocon trajectory where you have some good seasons and then suddenly there's no seats for you and yeah. you're stuck and you're having to find, or, or Van Dorn as well, Van Dorn's an F2 champion yeah and he's now off
0: so yeah. i feel like that rule of of uh forcing them out if they win the championship is almost screwing them a little bit but then you'd have the same problem you'd have the problem of the same guy winning it every season wouldn't you if... yeah it's you didn't do that
1: i think it's a rule that was obviously implemented at a time where they wanted to feed drivers into f1 um yeah. And now we're in a position where there's that many people trying to get into F1 and not enough seats that, like you say, it's almost a bit of a curse winning it. Um, like like we we talked about it early in the season, you know, Mercedes at, and Toto at one point may have been sat there thinking, kind of don't want George to win this this season because then we could keep him there for another year and use that seat for Ocon and
0: keep Esteban in the series. So it's... Mm. it's <laughs> it, I think it's, it's kind of... tough, tough isn't it? Floor. It's a flawed concept these days, isn't it? Because it was—it's probably a rule that was implemented back when there were a few more cars on the grid as well, and there yeah. were a few more sort of smaller seats. You know, can remember when we had the—you um, know—that's how uh, Danny Ricardo ended up. In he had the yeah. uh, what's it—the HRT seat. HRT started. And then there was the uh, Lotus seat and the um, yeah the Marussia one as well. Like those three teams were absolute—you know—perfect breeding ground for you to put young drivers. Mm-hmm. and they're just not around anymore are they no um also i feel like that that concept of like it's it's almost football based isn't it they're trying to apply like football logic to like a single person winning a uh, a league if you like and then coming up to the next league and it just yeah, doesn't like like, that like these promotion
1: days. sort of thing yeah when you're talking sort of football soccer wherever in the world you're from
0: yeah, yeah. It is it's uh, yeah, I don't think it really works these days. But anyway, that's uh, who am I to judge? You know, all we do all we can do is talk about it. <laughs> um there was a World Endurance Championship race this weekend over in Fu in Japan in F- at Fuji. Mm. Um Alon here's to talk about I want to talk about Alonso's result, really, and Button's result. Um Alonso finished second after starting on pole. Uh, there was an early safety car about half an hour in and it was a wet start to the race as well um and the number eight car of Alonso lost its lead to the number seven car which pitted early after starting eighth um despite being the fastest car in qualifying after it was deemed to have been speeding in the pit lane during the qualifying session so it was a strategy call that sort of they pitted the seven number seven early to sort of take advantage of, well, to change onto a different tire, to change onto the, the right tire for the track at the time. And it's the safety car kind of played into their hands and it meant they could make up a few positions and they were again on the right tire at the right time with the right level of fuel and stuff. So they ate into loads of people's time. And there were a few other issues with Alonso's car. There was a balance problem with the floor. There was there's a, a few factors just didn't quite go the number eight cars way. Um, and some clever strategy from the team got the win. And it was by a good margin as well. It's about I think about 15 seconds-ish yeah. around that mark. Um Kobayashi, Conway, and Jose Maria Lopez. Um Kobayashi's a bit of a specialist around Fuji, they say. Um and yeah, it was just a great team effort from from that car's side of the garage to to get them that win. Um Jensen Button's car was the second fastest non-hybrid, finishing fourth um he spent a chunk of time in the pits with a car issue and he even led the race at the 60 minute mark but um only could uh, only could bring it home fourth um, there were a whole lo- bunch of different leaders through a bun- all the different classes over the duration of the race um and all the winners of each class finished between 10 and 20 seconds ahead of second place after a whole six hours which just shows you how competitive the, the WEC series is you know to, to race yeah, for definitely. six hours and only have like less than twenty seconds between you for the wins, crazy. Yeah. Um, the next World Endurance Championship race is in Shanghai on November the eighteenth, and then there's a big gap all the way to March for the race after that at the bumpy car killer Sebring International Speedway, uh, sorry, yeah. raceway in Flor- in Florida. Um, did you know that that it was in Florida? Yeah. Did you? I had no idea. I had to look it up this just week. Just because
1: I've pounded it so many times in games like Gran Turismo and On such Forza. like, and Forza, yeah. yeah. No, no matter classic what console, classic Forza track. Um, always hated the last corner there. Yeah, that's always. the bumpy
0: one. That's the car killer. That's the one that that, does that is the one. The the it's races. the one
1: where when you hit those bumps at the wrong speed, you're running wide, and there's a dangerous yeah, just barrier you. just
0: out of outside that yeah. corner as well. Yeah. Um, Shanghai track obviously we know all about we go there every year for Formula 1 but yeah the, the Sebring track a, a, it's an interesting track it's, a, it's very narrow in places as well so it's, it's a yeah, difficult it one very... to take at
1: especially in those um, wide LMP1, LMP2 cars
0: Have you ever Google mapped Sebring, uh, Sebring the place? I have not So, so I, I always thought Sebring track was called uh, the, I thought the ring part of it, Kate, was like a, a nod to like German racetracks like Nürburgring or um, Osteric Ring or Hungara Ring. yeah, That kind of thing. Um, but it's actually just the name of a place, which I had no idea about. And I did a bit of Google Mapsing around. I did a, a little virtual tour of Sebring. Kind of <laughs> a weird place, Tom. Kind of a weird place. <laughs> yeah. It's, like, there's no, all the buildings are single-story buildings. Okay. They're, like, they're all basically bungalows. There's a huge, like, loads and loads of lakes. There's one massive lake right in the middle of Sebring called Lake Jackson. And um, there's some really nice-looking houses there, but it's, it's just, I don't know, it's, it's, it seems, in Google Maps, it seems des- Deserted it feels like a retirement village it doesn't feel like an actual like a town with a racetrack
1: in no offence to anyone from Florida but is that not just what Florida's famous for
0: like well they do say yeah, they do say Americans state. go to Florida to retire yeah yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah that's my I mean we're completely on a tangent now aren't we but yeah that's my review of Sebring via Google Maps <laughs> <laughs> if anyone's actually been to sebring i would like to correct you on any of his opinions please feel free to get in touch. yeah I'd, actually that that would be great if anyone has been get in touch and tell us what your experience of Se- sebring track and the town itself if yeah you've been there i'd be really interested to hear what i think because looking good it doesn't look like a normal place to me i don't there's just something about it that it looks it just looks different looks different from mm. other places Anyway, Formula E grid. <laughs> the Formula <laughs> E grid's taking shape. Um, we have got Van Dorn and Paffit going to HWA team, um, which is, of course, the Mercedes uh, experimental team, if you like, for Formula yeah. E. Um, yeah, the grid's sort of slowly sort of shaping up into an actual thing, isn't it? Uh, got a few liveries out now as well. I think just about every car. There's only Dragon... Um, Mahindra and that's it. They're the only two teams to not have revealed their car yet for next season. Um, yeah, because I there's a couple that
1: else. are mock-ups, aren't they?
0: Yeah, well I I'm looking on the not... I'm on the uh, Formula E site and I can't see any images of thing that every, every other team's got a picture of their car from somewhere and these two are the only two that haven't, so I'm guessing as long as the site's up to date then... They uh, they haven't released any pictures of them yet. I've I've not seen anything in the news about either team either. So I'm assuming they haven't. Um, but yeah, it's it's. I'm interested by this, uh, ex McLaren driver team HWA. Yeah, they're kind of like a bridge from the f- bridge from future Mercedes Formula E team to past McLaren F1 team via Van Dorn and Paffett.
1: I could. I could be wrong, but are HWA almost considered a factory Mercedes team in DTM? I know they're not actually, but HWA is like a a Mercedes part manufacturer day to day, aren't they? So I'm not sure if the sort it's a bit like when McLaren were almost the Factory Mercedes team because they were the lead team being powered by Mercedes. I don't know if it's that kind of relationship they've got going on. Maybe,
0: yeah. Well, HWA, uh, known as the most successful outfit in DTM history, according to this. Yeah, they've won tons. I think. Um, yeah, they've won. So they're you know they're not like a random little sort of startup. These these are serious yeah. racers. These guys. Um, which i i knew very little about actually until until uh until they signed up for formula re I, I i know i don't really follow the dtm i find the dtm cars cool to look at but i've never actually watched a full dtm race i don't think yeah
1: i've i've never followed it that closely i um i know of people like hwa from the fact that i'm pretty sure that's where Paffitt was when he won his title um
0: so that that explains the pathetic connection. Yeah, he
1: it? like he was there for a long time. Um, definitely there when he won his title, and I think he came close a couple of times while he was there as well. In in between his forays in F one with
0: like McLaren and Williams and people like that. Yeah. So. Yeah. So I, I'm very interested to see how Van Dorn's going to do there next season as well against uh, a, a, another champion teammate. Let's not forget. I mean in his own right, he's a champion in in F2. But like, what's what's a better championship to win, DTM or F2? What's a more Mm. prestigious Um, championship, would you say? It depends
1: on where you're from, I guess. (laughs) Like if you're German, the DTM, surely, is the more prestigious one to win. But it's a very different class of vehicle and driving style, isn't it? You're talking sort of, sports car saloons against open wheel
0: like yeah well yeah sp- but the are similar sort of they're quite high downforce though aren't they yeah so it's still a downforce generating vehicle which which puts it back towards that sort of open wheel kind of feeling and they they're prototypes as well aren't they they that you can't you know that it's not like a, a yeah, German it's... touring cars are based on like a real model, even though like they look kind of like a regular car. Like they're actually total prototypes.
1: The the regulations for them, as far as I'm aware, is slightly different to things like British touring cars here in the UK, where you have to have sold certain numbers of the model yeah. of car for it to be able to be entered and and things like that. There's, there's certain rules to kind of make the British touring cars almost consumer relevant whereas yeah. i i Which don't I like. think you've like got that. that strictness in dtm so yes even though these things look like um they look sort of like c63s and, and um m4s yeah. and things like that even though they're yeah. essentially based on those they're like a whole nother level above it's like getting a c63 a c63 amg and then taking it even further above that so yeah yeah
0: and they're, they're- Demonic-looking cars. Oh, yeah, like. they look so do, aggressive. I do love, Yeah, They're like going to eat kids off the side of the track. <laughs> <So laughs> there shouldn't be kids on the side of the track. <laughs> I don't know how we got onto touring cars, but there, here we are. Paffitt um,
1: It was all about Paffitt. Paffit. that
0: was it. <laughs> yeah, Paffit. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really keen to see how they do against each other. I'm really keen to see how this team fares as the new team in Formula E. I'm super excited, actually, for the Formula E season starting, which isn't that far away, is it? It's in... November, about, what, I think. fifteenth October. 15th of October. It's, it's oh, December, exactly sorry. two months away. 15th of December, exactly two months away. Um, Brand new race in Saudi it, Arabia, it, isn't it? Uh, as as we record, one. yeah. Saudi Arabia, yeah. That, uh, that Saudi Arabia track looks interesting, doesn't it? Looks like a piece of spaghetti. So it looks like someone just threw a piece <laughs> of spaghetti onto uh, a, a wall... I'm not sure which around of you were responsible.
1: It was either you <laughs> or Chris. I'm not sure which because it wasn't me. But the gif that we tweeted to resemble that part of the track was delightful. And I enjoyed it so, so much.
0: Oh, it was the wiggle, wiggle. It was the wiggle, wiggle cat gif.
1: with the wiggle, wiggle. Yeah. yeah. Wiggle, wiggle, wiggle. It was that.
0: Yeah. I, don't, I can't believe I just did that. <laughs> right. <clears throat> we definitely need to move on from this now. <laughs> um... What we on, What's the next thing? Oh, um, the Formula W... Now, I'm only going to do a brief mention of this because I, I, I'd i like to do a longer episode about this because I think there's a much bigger debate around this. And I yeah. know for sure that Chris would be really interested in talking about this as well. So it's a shame he's away this week because actually this would have formed the basis of probably our episode this week. But anyway, um, Formula W, uh, it's the women's only effectively Formula 3 series. Um as I say, we'll probably go over it properly in a future episode uh, where we'll try and deconstruct it as a whole thing. But just a really, really hot, quick hot take from you, Tom. What would you watch? I, I don't feel like we can not acknowledge it. Yeah. So we have to say something. I think, so what's your hot take? I think my initial view of it, let's
1: say, is optimism, i.e., I-, um, I think that it's a good way to encourage more women into open wheel racing who possibly at the minute think they won't be able to compete in terms of like sponsorships and things like that with with male drivers, which shouldn't be the case. They shouldn't have to feel like that. But I think a women's series, it kind of gives them a series to aim for in the same way that, you know, coming through, you've got certain age-capped categories and things like that so that you know that there's a seat there and gives some of these women an opportunity to really get themselves in the shop window of teams and sponsors because at the end of the day, if that's the same spec car as the normal F3 and there's women going round a second or so faster than some of the guys in the um the f3 world series or whatever it'll be officially called the F- fia f3 whatever it is then you know people need to be sitting up and taking note and as long as that it achieves yeah. that then i'm all for it um okay
0: okay that i'm gonna i don't want you to go any further because i yeah. don't want you to give away your whole argument for for when we do do a proper episode on it um my feeling of it, I'm. I'm not. I. I don't entirely agree with you, but I also. I don't want to speak for Chris, but I know I don't. I also don't agree entirely with Chris either about it. So, so Chris has kind of a bit of a different opinion to you on it, um, mm. which I'd say is probably more the opposite opinion than mine is. But that's all I'll say. I, don't, I mean, I'm not saying Chris is anti-women racing. I'm treading very carefully here, <laughs> um, <laughs> because of course he isn't. He's he's actually staunchly super super for it like he's he you know he just just as we all are yeah
1: without feeling like i'm speaking for him he's he's very much of the mindset that this shouldn't have to be a thing and the exactly. the women the yeah. women that are qualifying for the series should be getting the seats in regular F3 F2 whatever other series is around that sort of benchmark which i don't disagree with um
0: no, no, of course. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a look. It's a super, super, super complex thing, and we're not going to be able to get through it. In, 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 in I don't want to insult this subject by no. spending a really, really by spending half a half baked attempt at deconstructing it. I really want to do a full episode on it. So let's let's park it, and then when we're all together, the three of us we'll we'll have a real you know we'll really really get into it get our teeth into it and have a proper debate about it because i'm yeah, really definitely. i'm super interested by it it's a really really interesting touch subject with so many facets that yeah like i say it needs an entire episode so let's yeah say, and that one it will there.
1: definitely help to to let more things come out about it more information to be readily yeah. available about it because yeah. you know this is a brand new concept that's been Put out in the last what seven to ten days or something?
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, just last week. Yeah. So, and also, there's a whole bunch of opinions from the the entire spectrum of the internet, positive um positive and negative. And it's yeah, it's there's a whole, it's just a whole thing. And I'm really, really curious about everything about it. So let's let's uh let's leave it there. Let's do that. We'll move on to Lewis Hamilton's idea for super weekends for the boring races. Now, this is something we can get our teeth into today, Tom. <laughs> this is good. This so, one doesn't need uh, Chris. <laughs> this, well, I mean, I'm sure Chris. I mean, more full Chris for not being here. This is a good one to talk yeah, about. Yeah, it's his own one. fault. It's an exciting If he's not going to show up, then he does not get to talk about the juice of it. It's all right.
1: <laughs>
0: it's what a hypocritical thing to say after leaving <laughs> Formula W <laughs> for him, but never mind. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. So Lewis has had this idea for Super Weekends, which um, the I guess the idea is around. Shaking up the the race weekend at the tracks that don't necessarily provide the best racing. So, you know, that could be, um, say, Valencia a couple of years ago when we used to go there, or it might be uh, Russian Grand Prix because, let's face it, the Russian Grand Prix up until recently hasn't been that amazing. Um, Mm. I should really get the list of other races, shouldn't I? What else? What other races? I mean, the Chinese (laughs) Grand Prix, that's not given us... Amazing racing. Monaco would be a really interesting one to do. Uh, I think to shake quest- up the order a little bit. There would be interesting. it question then, of are they going to
1: mess with that? We would do. I think the mm. question is what we would do
0: more yeah. than anything. So, well, the first the first question I want to ask you, Tom, is which for you. I don't know whether I've asked you this before, but which ones are the Formula One races that you would like? Like, which tracks do you find give us the most boring racing on the calendar um. today?
1: I've, I always feel biased when I answer a question like that. This because I end up sort of just sidelining tracks that I'm just not that keen of personally. So it's Sochi well, is one fine. of them. Um, Baku's one. Not really bothered about Baku. Baku. Even. Just, as a track, it just doesn't excite me. It's just a lot of ninety degree turns and long straights. Yeah,
0: well, yeah, but it's given like, us great races, though. This no, it has. Years. This
1: is this is what I mean. Like it's
0: not. It's not necessarily about the racing, it's more about my enjoyment of the track. <laughs> okay, well, well, I'm, I'm asking you what I'm asking you is your enjoyment of the races, though. This is important. Um, this has to be the, the, the races you've enjoyed watching the least. It's hard just because
1: the races do change, but Russia has quite consistently been fairly dull, as yeah. has pedestrian.
0: Um, mm, on current calendar, Singapore, maybe? Yeah, Singapore definitely Singapore. You could you could Singapore has its
1: like f- sort of flash points where you've got incidents yeah. like into turn one or something on lap one, and then it's two hours of pretty much nothing else.
0: Yeah, I think there's certain tracks as well that you just couldn't touch uh, on the calendar. But in terms of like ones that, I'll, firstly, I'll do the ones I don't like, like Chinese Grand Prix. I think I reckon you could you could probably do some. You could mess around with that. The Australian Grand Prix, the season opener actually really boring race this year so that's when you could mess around with as the opener it'd be really great fun to mess with it as well i think yeah um bahrain on occasion bahrain i Not... think bahrain gives us decent racing i've seen some good it's, races it's with definitely bahrain.
1: been better since the change of the configuration of the track i don't know if you remember the old one where it used to kind of go out there's a bit where it used to go out left and then through a twisty bit. Yeah, and well, a bit no, that was only dull. for one season.
0: They only did that for one season. Then they reverted back to the. Yeah, because, got now. because of how it was that, bad it was. Yeah, because that was a rubbish <laughs> layout before. And, and now it's really good because they can stay close yeah. together through the first few sectors. And it means that for the whole first, like, I remember one year, they were following each other so closely. For like the first seven laps, they're all like still yeah. in a train. Like, all, all, every car. I think that might have been in like 2008 or 9 or. T- no, no, it would have been 9 or 10. Crazy race, and some some action happened ahead of Mark Webber, and a load of debris came flying around his head. Yeah. Either side, Do you remember that? Yeah, crazy. So I, I wouldn't change Bahrain. I think they've cracked Bahrain. I think they've got a decent track. They've got some good racing there. So I think a, I think
1: running it in the evening to keep it cool as well probably helps yeah. at, at tracks like that. What about Abu Dhabi? Okay that one sometimes gets a finger pointed at it for being a little dull
0: the final race of the season though isn't it remember when Bernie did the double points thing there and there was all a big hoo-ha everyone was panicked about like he's going to wreck the championship
1: yeah do you think that sometimes that unfairly gets the finger pointed at it as being a boring race because a lot of the time the championship's Mm, already decided and there's nothing really to play for you might have a couple of teams in the midfield fighting over like fourth or fifth in the championship but that's it
0: i think you might be right there i think so cuz i
1: personally i quite enjoyed the track as in driving it on simulators and stuff i think it's quite it's it's one of those that's got like a nice flow to it yeah. once especially that like last sector is <sighs> like the, uh, there's, the, the there's, fast right-handers, if you hook them up as you yeah. come into the hotel complex,
0: yeah, that I'm picturing so. it. Yeah, that's good. There's a few really nasty off-camber corners though in the middle sector, which is not very nice. True, and in the first sector as well. I don't know why they do that. Like if they if they put the correct kind of instead of negative camber, positive camber, where the car's leaning into the corner, they'd be able to follow each other so much more closely. But hey ho, yeah, yeah. So. What have we said there? we've agreed on? China, uh, maybe Australia, and probably Singapore. Because I don't, th- yeah. I don't think you could do more than three, could you? If you are going to have like a, a bonkers weekend, like you are not going to, you don't want to mess with it too. What would you much. do
1: for a bonkers weekend, though?
0: Well, that's the question, isn't it? I think for me, what I would maybe do is you could do. I mean, you could do a reverse championship order grid or something like that. And make make the I suppose that you're ditching qualifying, but then you could just make a fourth practice session out of qualifying.
1: Two twenty lap sprint races with no front or rear wings.
0: So <laughs> they so they've got to literally take the wing, both wings off. Yeah, and they're just going around on body downforce. I quite like that idea actually. Yeah,
1: and tyre grip. Yeah, like give them the brace. give them the grippiest tyre. Yeah, it's basically a 20 lap sprint of mechanical grip.
0: Yeah, I'll tell you what they would eat their tires if you did that. They'd be sliding all over the place. It'd absolutely wreck them. Um, yeah. It'd be fun. So. So we so we're saying we're going to do Do you want to do that? Is that what you want to do? <laughs> yeah. Aer- Aero sprint. race. Aerola sprint. That would be maybe like maybe that there's something in that. Maybe.
1: You Well you've been dying for Cigar shaped cars back for ages. I'm surprised you're not jumping on I mean, this. I'm with not, me. I don't want to
0: change the entire formula just for a weekend, but <laughs> maybe you do like take the um maybe you take the all the aero bits off a car and make make each team produce a super weekend spec of of car that doesn't have any real downforce producing elements on it so they do have to run a mechanical grip and then see see who does best then that'd be really interesting so you can keep it in a straight line (laughs) yeah yeah but obviously they can i mean they can do stuff to the setup you see them losing front wings and stuff all the time and they keep it on the right um what about a reverse around the track race (laughs)
1: well that was going to be my other suggestion because that's the classic from any racing game isn't it is flip the track into reverse mode and as far as i'm aware they tend to like to throw that at people in esports series so like some of the gt esports series um a bit like i say lower than f the f1 ones it's just less publicized than the f1 Mm. series but Apparently, they like to throw reverse circuits at oh, people. Oh, you mean in like, no, series. no, no.
0: I mean like literally put it in reverse gear and go oh, right. <laughs> backwards and so you can go quick. Oh, no, I didn't mean that. <laughs> I,
1: I meant doing the track like counterclockwise that is, when it's Well, I'm glad clockwise. you said that
0: because you turned my bizarre suggestion into quite a sensible one. <laughs> so, <laughs> you're providing a service, Tom. Rallycross. Style rallycross style where
1: they've where there's like a little bit in the middle of the circuit um, where they've got to
0: go f- off road in. that's not going to end well. Fernando Alonso is always doing that, mate, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he does that for himself. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I guess like the, the, the I I suppose the most sensible uh, my, the most sensible thing that occurs to me anyway is to maybe do a reverse championship grid. I think. yeah, and and maybe they do run qualifying, but they do. Points. they do like half points for who can qualify fastest and then it's a half half points for for the for the winner of the the reverse grid reverse championship grid race i think that'd be really fun
1: you could have qualifying handicaps based on championship position a little bit like some of the series is similar it's going back to touring cars again for ideas but it, like touring cars in British touring cars, is weight ballast, championship ballast, or success ballast? It's had many names over the years. I think it's currently success ballast. But if you won the last mm-hmm. race, you have maximum success ballast, and then it it sort of it's lessened and lessened and lessened down to something like tenth place. So if you win, you're automatically hindered a little in the next qualifying and race session because. You're heavier by like ten kilos or whatever it is, yeah. and in any car that makes a, oh, it's a, a huge bit of difference. difference. Yeah, yeah. Just in like so. in,
0: in my Mini, like if someone if I, like compared to driving, so I, I've got a, a regular Mini Cooper S, like it's a decent, it's a fun car, and it's super, super light. It's like twelve hundred kilos. So when I drive it, and then when I drive it with a passenger, it feels totally, yeah. It feels like a different car because those that that what how many kilos does a person weigh? Like about 60
1: Well, it depends on how big they are, but eighty ish. Yeah, 60,
0: between eighty and one hundred kilos. Let's say between sixty and one hundred kilos, depending on yeah the person. Um, and you notice it, you totally feel it, like you absolutely feel it in a car like that. Yeah, and you and I'm sure in in the, you know, there's much lighter cars than that out there where you can tell the difference. So yeah, absolutely makes a difference on a racetrack for sure. It's a l- lot of ballast ten kilos, in a race yeah. car. Um, yeah. So anyway the the yeah the i don't know the most the, it seems like that's the most sensible to base it on the championship order would be the most sensible thing what do you think do you think uh, a sensible yeah, one some, for you, like... Uh
1: something like that like uh, some sort of championship order based thing like a qualifying handicap like i don't know yeah you you start with it, like you start with a minus five seconds if you're leading the championship so you've got to be five seconds faster <laughs> than somebody
0: concept. else to out qualify yeah. them. Oh, that'd be so gutting though! You cross the line first and then you docked the race because your five seconds is being docked. Yeah, um, I think between us, with what so what I would say between us is maybe we do a reverse racetrack, not a reverse gear, but like actually as in like go the wrong <laughs> way around the racetrack and. Um, do it in the non-championship order as well. Do yeah. it in, do it in opposite reverse championship order, and then the quality, so it's just it's it's half, just half The giant reverse race. Yeah, it's half points for quality and it's half points for for the race. So you get the same. You get mm. half the points that you get for a race win by quality. So it still makes qualifying format, you know, a thing. It makes it something that's worth taking part in and worth worth going for the points, and then the race itself, if if you're leading the championship then obviously it generates racing, like the faster car, this is the problem that Formula 1's always had the fastest car always starts at the front, in in theory always starts at the front of the race, barring penalties and and whatnot and and, and track conditions and stuff like that, so and that's obviously why they the the original purpose of them bringing this rule in in, around the tyres so you have to keep the T- the original rule was the t- the tires you qualified on were the tires you started the race on wasn't it for the top 10 and then they yeah. changed that to the to the top to the guys in the top 10 who qualified in Q2 like yeah Q2 it used tires. to be your
1: tires on your fastest time in Q3 yeah and then they changed it a couple of years ago so it was your Q2 tires because everyone was just getting through to Q3 and then saving the tires yeah and not going out and it was the- try and combat that like f1 teams will find a way around something yeah. no matter what yeah
0: it's, it does seem like whatever you throw at them they've always got a, a way of ruining it yeah <laughs> yeah
1: and it's about how they it's about who gets around this rule best yeah <laughs> it's usually the way f1 works
0: totally which hopefully will happen next season with the new uh with the new regulations for mcclellan and williams we've gone full circle tom
1: that's it. <clears throat> that would make it a good time to move on to Inbox. Definitely,
0: you. absolutely. Let's do some Inbox. Do you want to read some messages?
1: Yeah, I could read the messages. Um, Eric R. has said, um, playing out the is coming to the end of his time at Ferrari, do you think that could lead to Ricardo coming to Ferrari in a couple of years, um, or would he not want to because of Leclerc?
0: <sighs> uh, I'm not sure... Ricardo's got as much to fear from Leclerc as what Vettel has, is my answer to that.
1: I'd agree. Um, But I think in a couple of years' time, we're entering new engine regs. And the whole purpose of Ricardo going to Renault, I think, is to be integrated in that team and work on the development of that particular change in formula in a similar way to the way that Lewis went to Mercedes with the foresight of there's a there's an engine formula change coming and I want to be part of that. So I think that's the angle. So even, I think even if the seat came up and was offered to him, I think he'd probably stay put. Un- unless he'd seen something horrible in Renault that meant he wanted out, but yeah. I think he'd probably stay put.
0: What, you mean like an engine that explodes every weekend? <laughs>
1: it only does that in the back of the Red Bull <laughs> yeah, it's, uh,
0: they've, had few, they've had a few well to a as well. majority of the time it's in the Red Bull the problem is they've not <laughs> been developing it enough this season that's the truth the, the, the Renault team itself doesn't have the newest Renault engine which seems bizarre to me but anyway, yeah. um yeah. So does that answer that one have we answered is that, is that good enough I answer?
1: think I, I think so Um, Emmett Nugent says uh, something I commented on before but if we looked at the past few years, uh, there's been a big hype over the likes of Verline, Van Dorn and Ocon uh, and probably more that I've already forgotten Um, now that we have all the hype over Russell, Norris, Giovinazzi is F1 becoming like the (laughs) X Factor and just looking for the next sensation to give them a drive like a Christmas number one hit and forgetting all about them (laughs) Good analogy for anyone that uh, knows bit, The X yeah. Factor.
0: <laughs> a bit like uh, The darknesses. Don't Let the Bells End from back in the day. Anyone re- anyone remember that song? I, no? I remember it. I don't know about anyone Big, else, but I do. Massive <laughs> tune. Absolute massive tune. Look that one up on Spotify, guys. It's a great one. Uh, no, I don't, I don't agree with that. I don't think necessarily that's that's the case in terms of like x factor and and hype train being all about everything No, Um, i think you always i think we live this this year particularly we've had a very very silly silly season that's and there's been a few seats come up for grabs and, and there's been yeah. a bit of quite a lot of movement in the driver market that's that's actually you know we've got three rookies next season now haven't we is that right norris Oh no, sorry, Norris and um, Russell, Russell are the two rookies. So we've got two rookies next season. Yeah. Which is actually probably a normal amount for a Formula One year. You know, year by year, you don't really get that many free seats coming up, do you?
1: Yeah, the, the grid's definitely getting younger again, though. Like the, the average age is probably dropping because you've got those two, you've got Sorokin, Stroll, mm-hmm. like these. I think there's a bit more young blood in there now, especially with, you know, the likes of Alonso going, um, when Button went and depending then on how long Hamilton and Vettel continue on for. Um
0: Yeah. I mean you've got to remember like that a lot a big portion of the grid is getting quite old now as well. Like yeah. you know, yeah. Lewis Hamilton, fair enough, he's not an old he's absolutely not an old man, but he's in Formula One terms, he's probably not a spring chicken, nor is Vettel yeah. Um, Alonso certainly isn't. Uh, who else we got? Raikkonen. He's going to be. He's still going yeah. to be racing next season, and he's the oldest guy on the grid.
1: Are well, going to say he'll be the oldest man on the grid, won't he? So, yeah, yeah. yeah, Um yeah. I, I think that yeah. I want to give credit to the teams for trying to get these younger drivers through and into the sport. Um, But I also point the finger at them because... Well, I don't know if I point the finger at them for it because at the end of the day, they need to make money to keep racing as Force India's situation this season has highlighted. And sometimes the only way to do that, unfortunately, is to bring in a driver that has decent ability but isn't as good as another guy purely because he's backed by a big sponsor. And we know it happens. Um,
0: Uh, Yeah, yeah, and happen. some
1: of these guys get burnt out quite quickly um, because, and the you know they they toss aside the for these more pay driver seats, um, and I think that's sometimes part of it. Like Ocon for me has always performed well. Verline and Van Dorn maybe didn't live up to the the potential we thought they had, but. Formula One yeah. cars is a different breed of animal to any other motorsport car, really, isn't it? Some make it, some don't.
0: Yeah, definitely Van Dorn. I, I feel I feel, I feel like Van Dorn's got unfinished business in Formula One. I feel like he's been given a bit of a... Let's face it, he's been given a Beep. box to drive in the whole time he's been there. And he's not really been able to show what he can do, especially up against yeah. Alonso as well. Like That team's always going to be rallying around Alonso and he's just going to be sat by the wayside. Alonso's such a huge force... That like you can't really compete with that, especially as a rookie. You know, if it was something a bit, if it was someone a, a bit older as Alonso's teammate, say, say Kimi Raikkonen or even, even Vettel, then I'm sure it'd be much, 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 much closer between the two of them than it has been with these two, just because mm-hmm. their their experience allows them to work better with the team and and allows them to get what they want out of the car more easily. I um, think from
1: someone like Van Dorn as well, it will be very interesting to see how he ends up fitting in at um a Formula
0: E H-W- team. Yeah, two I think you know what? I think it'll be a cracking Formula E driver, Van Dorn.
1: A lot a lot of them turn into cracking Formula E drivers, don't yeah. they? Aren't all four champions so far XF1 drivers, if I remember correctly? Uh
0: yes. Who was last oh is Van Degar Gen Eric Vern, sorry, yeah John Eric Vern Formula One. Um You've
1: got you've got Bohemi Verne, um De Costa and another Brazilian. Um, um how could we forget Lucas de Grassi. All for want of a better term, F one rejects dropped by teams, in my opinion, and people like Bohemi's yeah. Case like before they should have been
0: for, in for, the same so, way
1: to what I think maybe Van Dorn and Ocon, if he doesn't get a seat, is going to end up in a similar position. And those guys have gone on and won another series, so
0: yeah, Sh- shall we say former F1 hopefuls? Rather yeah, than let's F1, call them that. F1 rejects uh, is a better um, term for definite Yeah, <laughs> uh, Aaron Griffiths had something to say.
1: Yes, um, good day, lads. This is one from the other side of the uh, globe. By I the love this. Of
0: it. I love that people on the other side of the world listen to us and. Interact with us like this is so fun. Yeah.
1: Well, you'll you'll love this even more because it's some more would you rather's. Which you yes, enjoy. oh my
0: favorite thing. Yes. Uh,
1: so me. Aaron Griffiths have sent us some would you rather's. Would you rather be an engineer at a team like Ferrari trying to prevent a championship collapse late mm. in the season, <laughs> or in a team like Force India trying to engineer the team's survival in the sport?
0: Ooh, I think. Ooh, God, very both very pressured situations, Aaron uh is it aaron or aaron
1: Um, well i'd say aaron but he's double a so it's probably actually aaron yeah would you rather
0: aaron or aaron would you rather be called aaron or aaron let us know um (laughs) uh, which 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 would i rather be probably i think if you're at a team like ferrari if you're managing a team like ferrari then you're probably doing all right you're probably good
1: I'm going to drop a burn and say I'd rather be at a team like Ferrari trying to prevent a championship collapse because if I was in charge at a team like Ferrari, it wouldn't be having a championship collapse.
0: Oh, Tom, Tom, Boom. Tom, Tom, Tom. Tom. <laughs> oh, that's awful. <laughs> Savage, mate. Give um, me a call, Marinella. I, you know what? I'm going to go Force India because it's. I've always found when I've been playing as a, as a player of the game um, – formula what is it motorsport manager yeah it's much much more fun building you, you feel more invested in a team definitely that you've built from the ground up yeah and you, and you want it you know you, you get if you look at these teams like williams where you've got guys like patrick head frank williams who've been part of that team for decades and decades and decades they've, they've been through it all you know they've they've stayed yeah. there and they've had bad seasons they've won championships they've had terrible seasons they've almost gone bust then the business has expanded and done other things that's the sort of really interesting part of formula one teams for me so i'd prefer to be in the minnow team trying to build it into something that would eventually be an elite team like red bull you know red bull have done that red bull were nowhere and now look at them yeah, I, I,
1: I agree with the sort of the your own team building. So feel like you've built something's definitely yeah. more rewarding. I think than it, just stepping into a job where you're expected to win and you've got good chances of winning straight off the bat.
0: Yeah, it's a very personal question, isn't it? That actually. It's, yeah. But I hope I hope we've uh, given you some insight <laughs> into the inner workings of our small yeah. lines.
1: Well, there's another one, so oh. you can. Give another glimpse into the inner workings. Um, <laughs> would you rather, rather be an F1 blast. reject or failure uh, winning in Formula E? This is appropriate because I don't want to You mean, be you mean
0: a former about. F1 hopeful?
1: <laughs> yes, a former F1 hopeful winning in Formula E or a former F2 GP2 champion that never cracks a top seat in F1?
0: Oh, i much rather be the F1 reject winning in Formula E because I've driven in F1 Both. at one point.
1: Yeah. That's exactly my logic behind it. I'd rather be a former F1 hopeful that didn't quite make it to then go off and win Formula E and be able to say I've driven in both series and then won yeah, one of I them mean, as well.
0: You got the thing you got to remember about these Formula E drivers is they've a lot of them have seen it and done it all. Like they're not yeah. they're not and they're not slow. Like you know they they you've got to be a bloody good driver to a to be even to be able to drive one of those cars like it's not an easy car to to get your head around a Formula E car. It's very, no. very different from really any other open wheel vehicle. So you know these guys are they're absolutely at the top of their game. There's some tippy top drivers in that series, and you know Formula One really needs to be watching out for Formula E because in ten years' time, you know, it's going to be much, more relevant. It's isn't now it? it's going to be it's going to be much more relevant. Um, I was reading a really interesting, it leads me on to something actually just a bit off topic, but I was reading the other day about, um, there was a photo, I saw a photo of Fifth Avenue in 1900, right? And um, the, the sidewalks, the streets on the side of the street, on the side of the road were absolutely chock-a-block full of people. And the road was full of horses and carts. This is in 1900. Um, in 1913, someone took a, a similar photo from a similar angle of the same street. And there wasn't a single horse and cart on the road, not one. They were yep. all motor vehicles. That, so that's like a ten, thirteen year gap between these two photos for such a huge transformation in in yeah. the the use of in the way of of getting around. Now, if you look at where we are now, so what we've got the the Tesla, we've got electric cars, we have Teslas, we have a few other electric cars from BMW, Nissan. You know, and we've got a racing series. And I dare bet that in ten years' time there'll be we we could have a similar situation where no one drives no it could be a situation if self-driving cars come about that people don't even drive cars anymore for leisure. Except mm. for leisure, except for like on racetracks and, and stuff like that. It could be seen as like a weird thing to own a car, especially if you live in a big city. So yeah, Formula Formula E. Uh, I would I would argue Formula E is the most relevant motorsport in the world at the moment.
1: Yeah, and and like you say, growing as well because of yeah. the the changes in mainstream motoring. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've got one more message. Yeah, before just quickly before I read that, I would also like to create myself because I just said Felix Da Costa was a FE champion and Brazilian, and he's neither. It, oh. was, it, it, it was PK Jr., wasn't it? Who is oh, Brazilian. Of course. Yes, Felix yes. de Costa speaks Portuguese and is Portuguese and has ah, not won an FE title. I realized moments after I'd said it, so I thought I'd just correct myself. Yeah. <laughs> In. This week's final comment, it's probably another one you'll enjoy, actually. I know you enjoy them all, but there's certain ones that you definitely have favourites for. And <laughs> it's um, it's the official Bruno Senna brand ambassador who is back.
0: Oh, uh, yeah.
1: I'm happy for George Russell getting an F1 seat. He's a fantastic driver and can do wonders for Williams. He has far more hair than Cupid, sir, who <laughs> oh. whose F1 prospects are thinning by the day. But I'm still oh. hoping he gets the second seat. I I just wish Russell didn't look like a marionette from a low-budget horror movie. But Beckers can't be choosers. <laughs> Do you know what's weird is when he makes that comparison? I can kind of see it—a little
0: marionette. Uh, an, un- an uncharacteristically superficial analysis this week from from our favorite, <laughs> yeah.
1: Content. Thinning hair and marionette puppets. Yeah. Oh, I'm not.
0: I'm not sure how I feel about that. Don't don't insult a man's hair. Yeah. <laughs> Never insult a man's hair, especially Robert Kubitz, He'll get you.
1: Well, there's more. Uh, the USGP oh. takes takes a cake for the most obnoxious F1 circuit for me. I don't understand America's <laughs> fascination with their national anthem or that bird. The bald eagle isn't even that good of a one. Oh. Um, it's very selfish and not even especially bright. if Vettel Vettel were a bird he would be a turkey though someone should tell him that looking up into the sky and drowning from rain much like how he is looking up at Hamilton in the standings and drowning from pressure is a myth much like Ferrari's championship prospects for this year whoa we always end on the brutal ones from this it always
0: gets so brutal towards the end damning and poisonous in equal measure I think that one yeah. That was savage. That was a. That's a really harsh one. I think that one. I mean, it's entertaining nonetheless. But still, yeah. So <laughs> goodness. Shall we, right. Shall we do some predictions? Yeah, I think know we you should. Know what to say to you, I think we just move swiftly on that one. Yeah. Uh, what shall we do? How are we, we going to do this? So Chris has already made his predictions and he's submitted them in earnest. At least um, that means he can't
1: copy me this week.
0: That is true, um, but I can, so I'm going to ask you to go first, Tom. Who is going to be the fastest in Q3? Well, Chris went for
1: Lewis Hamilton, and considering this circuit, I'm going to have to agree and say Lewis Hamilton also.
0: Yeah, and well, I'm actually genuine. I'm not copying you. This is just the same. (laughs) I
1: think barring strange events, um, it's almost a certain, isn't it?
0: Yeah, and I think the win as well, we can both go down for a hamilton win there would you say
1: i will also be agreeing
0: with chris this is my week to copy chris i think <laughs> yeah so chris has chris has gone hamilton win you know what i'm gonna go i'm gonna go vettel win do you reckon i think i think he might put it out of the bag this weekend I think you well you steady. did
1: say this last week and i told yeah, you i was I gonna make i was gonna make you go for the vettel win and the hamilton dnf yeah. keeping the title alive mm.
0: I mean I really really wish that we recorded this like after practice. <laughs> hmm. It would make it so much it easier. It would make it a lot easier. But but um but alas. Yeah, that's I, I I'm going to I'm going to gamble this week because I've got a 2 point advantage over you as well, Tom. Yeah, see, so even I if I afford, get this and you don't my minor a gamble. Yeah. Uh who's who's your first DNF? Um last last year at the USA Grand Prix, the first DNF was it was Hulkenberg? I think nah. it was isn't it? Yes, Nico Hulkenberg. I read that as Nico Rosberg for some reason. Nico <laughs> Hulkenberg. It was. Yeah. I, th- I thought Nico Rosberg wasn't in the race last year. Um. Yeah. Nico Hulkenberg. Um. Hmm. Engine. Yeah. Um. Pascal Veyline crashed the Sauber on uh, two laps later.
1: Oh, I just tough this one. I'm going to go yeah. with. Stoffel Van Dorn.
0: Van Dorn? Oh, mate. Just, just, I don't know. Just a sting the tail of the season for. Yeah. Me. Unfortunately. Um, first DNF, first DNF. I think it's going to be a collision. Oh.
1: That turn one's quite a tight pinch. We see a lot of squeezes
0: in that turn one. I think Ocon's going to be feeling the pressure this weekend. I'm going to say Ocon.
1: oh interesting. Chris I went with Saron.
0: Yeah. Uh, how many finishes you got? Chris got sixteen. Um, the magical num, the magic number. 16. It is the magic number. I'm going to go a little higher and say seventeen. Seventeen. Mm. Well, let me just say, last season we had one, two, three, four retirements. Last season, so there were sixteen. So it hit there. the magic number. Yeah. Yeah, we got the magic number. It is the magic. It really is. What did you just say? Seventeen, <laughs> 17 for me. Seventeen. I am going to go. I'm going to go 16 as well. Okay, I'm going to claw back that point I'm going to lose to you for betting <laughs> Hamilton. And then finally, a random driver of the of the the random a random driver this week is sponsored by randomnumbergenerator.com or whatever. We've got Kevin Magnussen this week. Uh, Chris reckons he'll be seventh. Um, Tom, do you have a feeling? I think he'll get come? points, but. <sighs>
1: I want to say I think that's a little optimistic. I'm going to say ninth.
0: It was sixteenth last year. Different car ninth. though, isn't
1: it? Different breed of car this year, that that has.
0: It is. It's a very different car this year. I'm going uh, to say ninth. You're going ninth, are you? Okay. I am going to say ninth's a fairly sensible prediction actually there. Um Thanks. Which you'd hope. But well, It would be, wouldn't you really? <laughs> well, I'm not going to say first. <laughs> um, oh, it, I mean, he didn't have a great Japanese Grand Prix, did he? Collision, mm. When did Grosjean come? Eighth. Yeah, he's got an eighth for a ninth in him, hasn't he? I reckon so. so. Ninth, tenth, eighth, ninth, something like that for the pair of them. I'm going to go eighth. Ooh. I don't think he's quite best of the rest, but I think no. he's got an eighth place in him. Oh, wow, that's an interesting looking points table. So we're all three on Hamilton for quali. Um, you and Chris both Hamilton for the win. I've got Vettel. First DNF, Chris got Sorokin. You've got Van Dorn. I've got Ocon. Um, finishers, Chris 16, you 17, me 16. And random driver Magnussen. Chris has seventh, you have ninth, and I have eighth. Yeah. This is a very very close. The, the the margins there are very thin, I think, for all of those. Definitely. So, it's going to be an exciting race. Um you can submit your predictions at backofthegrid.com. Um and there's a prize every week for anybody who gets a clean sweep. As well as a prize for the season champion. You can also join our fantasy league at f1.com by searching backofthegridf f1 podcast in their little leagues section. Um, please do like share and subscribe to uh, the podcast it really helps to all our pages as well it'd be amazing if you could you would not believe how much that helps and um, you can find us on twitter at back of the grid f1 you can find us on facebook by searching back of the grid and on instagram at backofthegrid. um yeah and keep sending us your messages we love reading them out it's really really good fun um i particularly enjoy the wood drivers <laughs> <laughs> Um, Tom, you got anything else to say? No, that is it. Just make sure you head to
1: backofthegrid.com like Stu said because you can send us a message there as well if you don't do social medias.
0: Yes, and yeah, do not forget to submit your predictions. Right, that's it. That's it from me. That's it from Tom. Goodbye. Goodbye.
1: needs Chris Evans.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> this podcast is part of Britpod Scene, an independent network of uniquely British podcasts that's always growing. Check out BritpodScene.com or BritpodScene on Twitter to find out more.